This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode number 98. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your hosts, Michael Blanc. Hey there. Welcome to the show. My name is Michael Blanc. I'm really excited to hear to learn with me about apartment building investing. Today, I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of a different angle on multifamily. Uh, typically, we just think about what's how can we possibly make the most money that we can so we can achieve our financial goals. And sometimes we forget that there's actually really people that live there in these apartments. And today's guest is Eddie Lauren, and and Eddie has uh, has managed to do forty thousand units over his lifetime, both buying it for uh, companies he worked for as well as himself. He's just super successful, and he has you know slightly shifted his priorities from how much money can I make to how can I take care of the tenants that actually live there? How can I save water? How can I save energy on these things? How can I make a difference in the world? So we're going to talk a little bit about impact investing today and what that means. And the oddest thing is when you start trying to make a difference in people's lives, the bottom line just tends to follow. And it's this really this bizarre phenomenon that I've seen happen before is when you shift your priority from money away from helping other people, the money just follows like as a side effect. And I just want to pass this on to you because as we do multifamily of any size, if you have single family house rentals or duplexes or even larger ones, what can we do to make a difference in the tenants' lives? How can we establish a sense of community in them? And that's what Eddie's going to talk about, specific things that we, through our property managers, can do at these properties that appear on the surface to be over improving things or as unnecessary or unwanted and actually making a difference in the lives of people that live there, which then results in things like lower turnover, higher rents and that kind of thing. So I just want to pass that on to you. I had a great discussion with him and I just thought it was a fresh perspective on stuff that we normally talk about. So let's get into interview with Eddie right now. Eddie, welcome to the show today. Nice to be with you. Uh, tell us a little about yourself. What's your business and how did you get here? Well, I uh, started in real estate 30 years ago and worked my way through all the food groups and ended up in the multifamily business because I felt I added the most value and it was the most opportunity to move the needle, so to speak. So I've been doing value-add apartments for almost 20 years, and I've done almost 40,000 units, either for myself or for others. I work for some big companies and also work for myself. And my true vision and value is to have the opportunity to change people's lives exactly where they live. That's the beauty of this business. Yeah. So this is, I'm going to love this show because it is partly about making money, but I think your focus has shifted not just from purely making money, but from actually making a difference in residents' lives. And I think it provides a little bit of a different perspective on the same thing. And I suspect that you may have, and I want to ask you about this because most of us are just trying to be successful and make as much money as we can. You apparently have already done that and have decided to kind of move on a little bit. Why did you decide, Eddie, to kind of go from the pure profit to something like this? And we're going to talk about what something like this is, but just a mindset from a philosophical perspective, why did you decide to kind of think about something else besides just making money? That's funny. You know, I've been doing this and making money as an impact investor. We'll talk about that, as you said, for years. I just never called it that. When you give the working class workforce housing, low-income housing residents, a clean, safe, affordable place to live. You treat them with respect and dignity. They stay, they pay, and they refer their friends. It's good business to do good for people. So you can do well by doing good. I've been doing that for a while. 
I've just decided to shift a little bit into more of the affordable space because there's enough luxury product out there. There's still so much dilapidated and neglected assets in tough areas that need to be transitioned. And you can change people's lives. You can change a neighborhood one apartment at a time by going in and refreshing. But you need to bring in the security and you need to be doing all the screening. It's not so easy, but I think it's important and it's the true value of someone like me because I've done so much of this. I can go in, I look at a property, I have the vision of where to take it from where it was, and people love it. Yeah, so you created this company called Impact Housing. And that word impact is interesting because it's something consistent with what's called impact investing. And I've heard this term before, and it's intriguing. Can you talk about what impact investing is in its most general sense? Well, doing business for a purpose. It's not just about making money anymore, especially this new generation. And the millennials, there's a transfer of wealth about $40 trillion that's about to happen between the baby boomers and their children. And all of the people in this generation really just want to make a difference in this world as well as make money. So it's a paradigm shift. It's long overdue. And what I'm trying to do is because traditionally impact investing has been putting solar in Botswana or some other kind of a concept where you're doing microloans in Indonesia. Well, there's so many issues here at home. The working poor, it's almost like there's an attack on them. So they need more than I believe these foreign countries do. So my goal is to bridge the gap with impact investment in distressed areas. So what does that look like for investors, right? So obviously you take on investors for your own deals. And one of the things you lead with is, yes, we're going to make returns, but really we want to try to make a difference. How is your investor or someone looking to invest different than say just a quote normal syndicator promising a return on their money? What is it that's different about your company? And I think you call it, your tagline is the good REIT kind of. So what does that mean yeah. to you? What How are you positioned maybe a little differently when you talk about your company? We focus on the resident. Many people focus on the deal. If the resident's happy, that's your revenue stream. And it's very easy to give them dignity and respect by cleaning something up. You know, the old adage, you can be poor, but you got to be clean. That's really important. You got to give people the environment that's clean, keep it well, paint, resort style pools. It doesn't cost that much, but they really enjoy having what A amenities are. A-class residents, luxury. We give B and C residents A-class amenities. And that's the value. Can you provide some examples? I mean, when, when I hear you say we provide A-class amenities to C-class tenants, I'm like, all right, you're, Eddie, you're over-improving the property. You're going to make less money because you're spending more on it. So you know, I'm just paying devil's out. Of course, you're, you're not. You're also a businessman. But can you provide some examples of what you do to really, when you say do good, you know, do good to do well, some things that you do that's really important to you when you say you take care of your tenants. So what are some of those examples? Well, we make sure that the signage is really fresh and attractive. So we overspend on the signage because we want someone to look and say, I only wish I could afford to live there. And actually they can. And then when they get in and they see a resort style pool, no strappy furniture around the pool, you know, like in the old 70s style, but you believe it or not, there's a lot of properties that are just neglected in that respect. You want the fitness center to be a state-of-the-art fitness center. These are minor expenses that everybody can enjoy. And we do health and wellness classes at that fitness center and try to get people engaged. It's much easier to change someone's lives where they live rather than do it at a church, synagogue, YMCA. These are all off-site. People are busy. They're sometimes working two jobs. So if you can have programming and an opportunity for people to create a sense of community, 
that's a value add that people need. This is where they live. It's their home. So you definitely go above and beyond what normally Class C is. Class C, I mean, you know, typically you want to provide good, solid, safe, clean housing. But typically, Class C does not provide these kinds of amenities because the perception is that it's an over-improvement, really unnecessary. Now, you obviously disagree. I have a couple of questions related to that. So obviously, this makes a difference in the quality of life of the tenants, right? I mean, clearly, they're getting something that maybe others are not. Is there any impact at all on the bottom line? Can you make a business argument for these, quote, additional sure. expenses? Or does it maybe have a negative impact to kind of get the social impact you're looking for? Or what difference does it make to your bottom line? Well... It depends. Good deals are made and not found. Not every deal is going to work. You can't just go buy and overpay for some piece of you know what and hope that you can make some money up. You have to be discerning. And for example, we're buying a high rise in Maryland. This particular deal is a situation where we have townhomes that are separately owned by individuals. The owner is an institution of the tower and there's one water bill. Unbelievable. And they're guessing as they bill back the tenants. So we're not only going to separately meter those townhomes, charge what they're supposed to be charged, and the end result is going to be savings of water, i.e. helping the bottom line from an environmental point of view and from the expense point of view. So there's multiple ways to create value. Every deal is different. I can't stress it enough. Good deals are made and not found. You have to go in and see what someone else doesn't see. And that's just one example. Another example is to overspend on a state-of-the-art fitness center Maybe it's an extra 15, 20 grand, but it really impacts the bottom line. By going in, we don't over-improve the units. We spend more money on the exterior, sense of community. We want people to feel good. As long as their unit is clean, that's all they care about. They want it working. All the work orders have to be done. There's so many people that don't even spend time. Every work order we try to respond to in 48 hours. I mean, yeah. a lot of properties you go in, work orders are sitting for weeks. That's when the cancer starts. So it's really, you have to be on top of it constantly. And that's how you create value because if they're happy, they stay and pay. That's the key. Now, do you typically work with third-party managers or do you always. have- Always. <clears throat> always. So that, this is a very interesting thing because a lot of property managers do a business in a certain way, right? And it really depends. Now, it sounds to me like, do you have additional requirements for a property manager who said, look, I want you to organize a barbecue every once in a while. I want you to reach out to the community. I want you to do X, Y, and Z. How do you get the property manager to do all these things? Well, at the outset, they know what the ground rules are and they know what their commitment to the resident is. And we set aside the funds and we make sure that it's a priority. So yes, I mean, it's, it's follow-up. Nothing's easy. You know, that's why it's hard to own real estate as a second job because it's a primary job and it's a lot of work. So you got to stay on these people. Whether you're managing yourself, that's even more intense. But if you're managing third parties, that's still important. Managing capital improvements, you know, there's just a lot to do. So you set aside the capital expenses for things like the gyms you're talking about, like the pools, like the play sets, uh, the barbecue pit, stuff like that. And then up front, you require the proper manager to do certain things, such as work orders. You monitor the work orders and the response time to those things. Uh, what are some of the other things that you require the property manager to do that you watch that they do for you? They got to be always out walking units, collecting rent, having a relationship with the tenants. That's the most important thing. It's that interaction. It's the feeling that People know the property manager's name and she knows who they are. And it's just, there's art and science in real estate. Everybody can do the science. You know, you can analyze Excel spreadsheets. I could show you algorithms that would make your mind spin. But the bottom line is 
the way you create value is that chemistry when someone walks in the leasing office and they feel the energy. It's happy. It's positive. It's a sense of community. People want to live in dignity. That's a simple formula people forget. And not to minimize, the science is critical. But it's not just the science. So you're clearly using multifamily as a way to make a difference in the people's lives. You obviously want to make the returns for the investors. Are there any other non-financial goals that you have for what you're doing with Impact Housing? Well, I'm trying to democratize like, you know, the Jobs Act was an amazing thing that was passed in 2012. Now, anyone and everyone, regardless of income level or wealth, can invest directly in real estate. So around the Wall Street guys, around that, and a lot of the Wall Street REITs would never touch impact investments because they turn their nose at BNC assets, but that's cash flow. If you feed the masses, you're safer and it's more defensive. A lot of these REITs want luxury and rents are getting high, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 a month for a one and two bedroom. I mean, that's double uptime. Our rents are in a sweet spot between 800 to 1200, 1500. They're affordable for the working class, for everyone. So I believe that this sector is a much safer sector. It's a more defensive play. And we know that the demand for affordable housing and housing that's affordable, because affordable housing is a defined term, is growing exponentially. And there's not enough product. You can't build C product. You can't build B. You can only build A and hope it trickles down. So there's such pent up demand for good, clean housing. It's a great investment. It's a great place to be, in my opinion. So do you think that impact investment, that investors should expect a smaller return to make a social difference or not? Again, I'm sorry. It depends. <laughs> you know, you're, it depends. And some deals are phenomenal. Like we have this one deal that I just think it's, it's incredible. And other deals, you know, if you've got affordable housing and you've got a max on your rents and you've already met those max limits, but there's still a need to rehash and refresh these properties, that'll be a lower return. But overall, you know, there's still great deals to be had and people will pay a little more for the value. And you're not talking about a lot. You're talking about 50 bucks and that's worth it for people to live in dignity. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things we always get caught up in in the financials and, you know, like I said, making as much money as possible. And we tend to forget that there's people who actually live there, right? And when we try to, you know, think about the residents and think more about what we can do to make their lives better, it then, of course, positively impacts the bottom line. But a lot of us, self included, we're constantly thinking, you know, numbers, 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 when we really should be thinking more about what can we do to improve the lives of the people that are in those units. And then maybe being a little more discerning with the property managers we do bring on board that share that philosophy, because some do, and some feel that it's pain in the butt for them to do that. So That's being right. a little more discerning with the property managers and, and sitting down and say, look, how do we create a sense of community, right? Because you're right, if, if someone feels like they love it there, they're going to stay there. Turnover is the single biggest expense that, that we have. And so, of course, that's going to impact our bottom line. So I do like that shift in thinking from, hey, let's make as much money as we can to, hey, why don't we think about the resident first? Because the rest will follow. Well, marketing companies think about the customer first. I mean, why is it any different? It shouldn't be. I appreciate that. What are you most excited about right now, Eddie? I'm excited about this deal in Maryland. And I hope that people will have the opportunity to join in at impacthousing.com because it's a triple bottom line. You love to find these opportunities. It's a financial return, which is very solid and strong. There's a social return. We're going to give people only that make 80% of area median income 
can rent there. So we're going to keep it to a level that's affordable. And the environmental return is the opportunity to save water, as we talked about, as well as the hallways have incandescent lights still in them. So there's an opportunity to save the carbon footprint, put in LED lights, and really transform this asset into something really cool and save some money. And you make money two ways, raising rents, yes, but also lowering expenses. And a lot of waste out there and a lot of waste that's hurting our environment out there. So if you can do both, which is what this opportunity gives us, raise rents a little bit, but more important, save expenses, everybody wins. Yeah, I love that. Hey, Eddie, what's the best way for people to connect with you? www.impacthousing.com, the good read. They can always reach me there. There's an email there for info at impacthousing.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing this perspective on multifamily. Appreciate it. Thanks, Eddie. Thank you. A great reminder that we can do well by doing good. And in fact, maybe we should figure out how we can do good more often as we go through our daily lives, as we do multifamily investing, as we go about our things and trying to do and achieve our goals, maybe put ourselves on the backseat and figure out how we can do good, how we can impact others. And invariably, it'll benefit us. It's just this universal phenomenon. So just a reminder, hey, you know, we can do well if we can do good as well. So anyway, appreciate you guys. Catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.